God is so good. <laughs> you know, my way over tonight from the office, I just, I'm so glad to come to church, aren't y'all? I mean, there's so many reasons to come. People that don't come, just they just don't understand. You know, I'm on my way over and I'm thinking, Lord, you know, I come to church to figure out how to live. I don't know about y'all, but I don't have it all. I don't know it all. And I, fi- I, I have to figure out how to live in this day we're in. You know, Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, the last days are going to be crazy, dangerous, hard to deal with and hard to bear, the Amplified says. So I come to church because <laughs> God has something to tell me. You know, I come in here and I scrape the world off. And I fill up. Not that I don't do that at home. But you know what I mean? You can come in here and pastor gets before God. And he gets a word for you. And you are, and it's refreshing. It's refreshing. You know, I come in here. Another reason is to assemble with like-minded people. <laughs> you go out there and they are not like-minded. Right? So you come in here and you get with like-minded people. And it's refreshing. It's refreshing. And, you know, it says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Why? For exhortation. I don't know about you, but I need to be encouraged. I I mean, that's why I I come around y'all, you know. We should all be encouraging one another. You know, the last time I spoke, I talked about the importance and the uncommonness of laughing, of rejoicing, right? And so when we come in and, and Deborah and I are talking and she tells me what she went through this week and we just laugh and laugh and laugh about it because, hey, she made it, you know. And then I tell her, that's nothing. Listen to this. And we laugh, and we laugh, because you know what? We endured, and we made it. And it's, that's what you do. You come together, and you just rest, relax, laugh, get encouraged, right? You know, God, with all the craziness that's going on in the world, and I don't know a lot of it because I don't listen to it, <laughs> but you can feel it. Even if you don't hear it, you can feel it, and you can see it on people, if you're spiritual at all. You can see what people are dealing with, you know? And I, I go to God and, y'all, I don't ever come up here, which is something I want to say. You know, I want the word from God for us. And sometimes that word doesn't always make sense to my mind, you know? Because I see what's going on in the world. And, I, you know, God wants to meet those needs, but I want to meet those needs, you know? And I think tonight as I deliver the word that he's given to me, You're going to have to, like, stay in there. You know? You're going to have to, like, let it go deep and get in you. And it's not a surface thing, you know? Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10. God has great plans for us. Great plans for us. Hebrews chapter 10, I'm going to read 32. But recall the former days in which after you were illuminated, you endured endured a great struggle with sufferings, partly while you were made a spectacle, both by reproaches and tribulations, and partly while you became companions of those who were so treated. Does anybody remember getting saved and people thought you, you were running with a totally different crowd? And so when you got saved, I know Vic has this testimony, when he got saved, it was life-changing, life-altering. Right. And so, but he was illuminated. The light went off. He was thankful. He 
You know what I'm saying? You, you It makes a difference in your life. And so you endure great struggle with sufferings because you simply don't care. You found something good and you know it and nobody's going to turn you off from it. It was something you needed your whole life, right? So you endured strugglings. You endured sufferings. You were made a spectacle and you didn't care because you had God <laughs> in your life. You knew where you were headed. You could feel a difference. It made a difference. You had heaven on your mind. You know what I mean? You were delivered from this life and you saw a better life, right? So you were made a spectacle by reproaches and tribulations. People probably made fun of you. They probably like, you're going to church. You got religion. You know, they say all those kinds of things. You're like, no, you just don't even understand. If you even understood, you would not even be talking like that. It's not religion, right? So partly while you became companions of those who were so treated. So now you became companions of people you used to make fun of because you were that person, right? right? So you, so now you are enduring it. And he says, for you had compassion on me and my chain. So Paul makes it. Or the writer of Hebrews makes it personal. He's like, for you had compassion on me and my chain. So you became a companion of me. I'm being persecuted and you became my friend. You said, that's fine with me. I'm j- I want to be just like you and, I- and that's fine. That's fine that you're in change, that you're being persecuted. You're suffering. I'm with you. I stand with you. And joyfully, for you had compassion on me and my chains and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods. Well, wait, what? <laughs> joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods, knowing that you have a better and an enduring position, possession for yourselves in heaven. This is what I want to talk about tonight. It's being heaven-minded. This world pastor was just talking to me in the back, and he said, "This world is just a, this life is just a vapor. Here today, gone tomorrow. It's so short and compared to eternity. But so many of us are giving it our full focus." It's how can we get a better life now? But what are we doing about the far better and an enduring possession in heaven? When I read that, joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods, I just moved into a house and renovated it and am loving it. And it's quiet and it's beautiful and it's my heaven on earth. And I thought if somebody came in here and plundered this house, would I joyfully Except the plundering of my goods. <laughs> like I read that verse this week and I was just like, mm, mm. <laughs> yeah, let me turn back to John and talk about love. <laughs> Joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods. You know, I, I think I would be super mad about it, you know? And so obviously I found an area where I need to grow, right? Because what am I focusing on? This life. This life. Paul told, told Timothy in 2 Timothy, you know, you've got to endure hardship like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Because this world is not my home. And guys, that's what I'm here to say tonight. This world, this, anything in this world does not need our hearts. We don't have to cling to it, hang on to it, get mad over it. Cry over it. Even our lives, our very lives, because we have eternal lives. We're going to a better place. So what are we doing here about there? Because that's enduring. You know, in Second Peter chapter 3, it says, Therefore, since all will be dissolved, everything here is going to go bye-bye. 
None of it's going to stay. None of it's enduring. Since everything will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be? In holy conduct and godliness. That's like reverence for God. On a daily basis, are we thinking about the rewards we're storing up in heaven? Or am I just thinking about my shoes, my friends, my house, my dog? And making sure those are all great. My bank account, my job, promotion. He goes on to say, therefore, since all will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God. According to his promise, looking for new heavens and a new earth. Nothing here will remain. You know, the media would like to get your eyes on everything that's going on here. Do you know that's not what's on God's mind? (laughs) God's thinking about eternity. He's thinking about you. He's preparing a place for you. He's trying to teach you things here for when you go there. He's wanting you to round up everybody you know so they can go there. He's about reconciling the world to himself. What are we thinking about? Let me go back to Hebrews 10. Joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods, knowing that you have a better and an enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. That word confidence actually means outspokenness. Your outspokenness about what? COVID? President Biden? No, right? (laughs) Which has great reward. Your confidence, your outspokenness, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance. Do you know what that actually means? Cheerful endurance. You have need of cheerful endurance. That's like joyful accepting the plundering of your goods. (laughs) Cheerful endurance. I'm going to cheerfully endure what's happening to me. What's going on all around me. So that... After I've done the will of God, I may receive the promise. You know, the Bible tells us in Hebrews um, 9 that Jesus is coming again. He's going to appear again. But it's apart from sin because he already handled that problem. So what's he coming back for? Complete and ultimate salvation. Praise God. (laughs) Where we don't have it all yet. Where we still have to struggle in this world and put up with this world. This, You know what I mean? That this imperfect world and the things that are going on here and the way the devil is in and out here and in, in and out of people's lives and impacting you because he impacts people. One of these days, Jesus is appearing again, apart from sin, for ultimate salvation. And that's what we should have on our minds. That that's where we're going forever. Forever. So the stuff around here, we need to just, you know, like it's a vapor, take it with a grain of salt. This grain, it's a grain. It's here today, gone tomorrow. You know, and I don't want to make light tonight of anything anyone's going through. But Jesus and eternity, this will not last. This will not last. But how you're dealing with you with it is working for you a far greater glory. Right? For you have need of cheerful endurance so that after you have done the will of God. Wait a minute. So what's the will of God? Is it the will of God that I suffer? 
It's the will of God that I cheerfully endure this suffering. No, it's the will of God that you cheerfully endure. <laughs> right? Because everyone has to cheerfully endure. Jesus had to cheerfully endure. It says he endured the cross, despising the shame. He had to obey same as us. Right? He had to endure all of this. Why? To receive the promise. It says at the end of him despising the shame, enduring the cross, God exalted him. Right? Giving him a name above every name. He's at the right hand of God. See, that's the promise. That was his promise. That he would be back there. And so when he endured, he got the promise. Right? Hebrews tells us to imitate those who through faith and patience, endurance, received the promise, inherited the promises. So that's in there because we have to do that to inherit the promises. It's going to take faith and patience. It's going to take cheerful endurance, doing the will of God. Jesus said, not my will, but yours on a daily basis. Not my will, but yours on a daily basis. That means it's what we've been talking about on Sundays in altars. It's surrendering yourself all the time, every day, living at the altar. (laughs) It's not what I want. It's not how I feel. You know, living here doesn't feel good. You know what I'm saying? I mean, dealing with the world on a daily basis doesn't feel good. I mean, we're triumphant. We're victorious, right? He causes everything, causes us to be triumphant. That's not the point. But even in triumph, that means there was a battle, (laughs) right? So it's understanding that where we live, it's not going to be sunshine and rainbows. It is going to be sunshine and rainbows, but after the rain, Does that make sense, everybody? Are you staying with me? So, don't cast away your confidence, which has great reward. That's what's going to stay. What we're doing today that impacts heaven, what we're doing for eternity will stay. When you cheerfully endure, and James tells us that, when you cheerfully endure anything that comes your way, well, we could turn there. You know, James says, count it all joy. Nobody likes these verses. Count it all joy when you fall. And that means cheerfulness. Be cheerful all the time. Count it all joy. All of it. All of it. Everything that's going on in the world. Just be cheerful. Why? Because when you fall into, which means are completely surrounded by various trials, which means temptations, adversity. Do you know what it means? Putting to proof. It means it's putting you to proof. So count it all joy when all this stuff, because all it's doing is making you gold. If you're cheerfully enduring, right? It's putting you to proof, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, cheerful endurance, cheerful endurance. If you just stay in faith, keep believing God, keep trusting God, keep relying on God, you're cheerfully enduring. Nope, God's going to get me through this no matter what. And I'm going to heaven. I'm going to heaven. Nothing in this world. You know, that's what Paul said. He counted everything here dumb. It didn't matter. I'm going to, what's laid up for me is a crown of righteousness. That's what Paul said. That's where I'm going. I have kept the faith. I have fought a good fight. That's what it's about. It's about the end game. It's, this is so short and such a vapor. So we have to do it right. Right? Let's do it right because eternity produces patience, which perfects to the extent that you lack nothing. Cheerful endurance will make sure that you lack nothing. Because the goal is to be cheerful and in faith on the last day. 
is to still be trusting God, to still be worshiping him as God, no matter what. That's winning. On that glorious day, we are still lifting up holy hands. No matter what's going on here. No matter what. You know, I shared those favorite verses of mine in Acts chapter 5. Those heroes of the faith that were beaten and told not to speak in the name of Jesus. I mean, they're my heroes. They were beaten and said, don't speak in the name of Jesus anymore. And what did they do? They walked out from the presence of the council rejoicing. Cheerful. That they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. You know why? Because it gave them, not only did it give them a reward in heaven, but when they walked out like that, if somebody was beaten and walked out cheerful, what would you do? Would you, you'd be astounded, right? Like what just happened? Yeah, it made people marvel and wonder. That word, it says they suffered shame. It says rendered infamous. I want to be rendered infamous for Jesus. <laughs> you know, that I suffered shame for his name. I'm infamous in the camps of, of the evil one. Infamous, you know. <laughs> Even Paul, he said he was obedient to the heavenly calling. He couldn't ignore it. He considered his achievements here nothing for the prize of the upward call. He always had that on his mind. The end. Jesus. All of them. If we turn to Hebrews chapter 12, 11 and 12. Chapter 11 is what we call the hall of faith. You have all these people that the Bible says. I mean, almost every verse. By faith, they did this. By faith, they did that. By faith, they did this. But if you check each of those people, they all had some sufferings. And it was by faith that they endured those sufferings. And received the promises. Every single one of them. Noah, Abraham, Moses. I mean, you could go down the list. Not one of them doesn't have a suffering story. It's through faith and patience. Why would we need patience if there was nothing to be patient about? It's faith and patience that inherits the promises. So when we endure suffering, we will always get the intended end, the promise, the greatness. Right? Even about Job, it says... When everything turned, you see the intended end of the Lord. That was the promise. When I was reading this the other day in Hebrews 10 about um, receiving the promise, that word promise, I just, I just saw it in a way I'd never seen it before, and I'm just going to throw this in here. But it says that um, I had need of cheerful endurance so that after I've done the will of God, I can receive the promise. Well, that word promise is a divine announcement. I just like the fact that God makes divine announcements. Like God announcing something in my life, in your life, in our lives. And you know when God says, so it's a divine announcement, a divine assurance. Because when God says something, you can take it to the bank. Because he cannot lie. Right? So that's how I can cheerfully endure because God said it. And so I'm going to get the promise. I'm not going to forsake the promise. I want the promise. In times in my life where things have been difficult or hard, I clung to the fact. You guys have heard me say this a hundred times. So tonight, I guess I'm just building you up for the days ahead. But I clung to the promise. I can remember 
I know I've said this before, but I remember singing that song, Shout to the Lord, All the Earth Let Us Sing. And at the end, it says, nothing compares to the promise I have in you. And I would sing that with tears going down my face because that was not my life at the time. But nothing compares. I clung to the hope that nothing was going to compare to the promise. I was going to keep doing what I knew to do, keep doing what I knew to do, not let it change me. Keep walking in the fruit of the Spirit. Because I was going to get the promise. And I can tell you, I'm so thankful. I made it, number one. Because God is faithful. And number two, my life is a dream. (laughs) My family is a dream. My son is a dream. My husband is a dream. No, they're not perfect. But as far as this world is concerned, nobody's got it better than me. Why? Because I patiently endured. I cheerfully endured because I was convinced there would be a promise on the other end. I did the word because I wanted what the word would produce in my life. And the thing about us is that the Bible tells us, I'm not even following my notes, so. Isaiah 32 tells us, I'm just going to give it all to you, shotgun style. So y'all just pick it up. But Isaiah 32 tells us that when the spirit is poured out, there's going to be fruit. And don't we know from Galatians that the fruit of the spirit, there's fruit of the spirit. Right? There's going to be fruit. Well, where is seeds? Where is seeds? In the fruit. In the fruit. It's in the fruit. So if we are not walking in the fruit of the Spirit, how is righteousness getting planted? See, they have to partake of the fruit. And if we are not going to lay ourselves down, If we are not going to suffer for his name, if we are not going to surrender ourselves on the altar, take it on the chin, then who's sowing seeds of righteousness? The Bible says that the seed of righteousness is sown by those who make peace. It's sown in peace by those who make peace. Well, make peace means do peace. Are you doing peace? Am I doing peace? Or am I just as mad at the car in front of me as the sinner next to me? Am I just as frustrated that it took three and a half minutes to get my food at McDonald's as the sinner next to me? (laughs) See, Matthew chapter 5 and Luke chapter 6 tells us, if you love those who love you, what good is that? Sinners do that. So who's sowing fruit so that they can partake of seeds? So it's not just about us, it's about them. Because look guys, something marvelous happened to me. Jesus saved me. He changed me. He turned my life around. Where's the proof of that? Something should have changed in my life. My character should have changed. My temper should have changed. What I think about should change. What I rejoice in should change. They should look at me and think, how does she put up with that? I wish I could handle things like that. Because then that's an open door. You know what that is? Seed. 
It's seed for them to partake, to want. It all is sowing seeds. (laughs) He who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Sowing to the flesh will just reap corruption. What if it means it will reap corruption for you and for them? Because they're not, how will they know if they don't have a preacher? I read one book one time that said, your lifetime is your seed time. What are you, how much seed are you sowing? You only have a lifetime to sow seed. That's it. And then it's over. So you'll be up there rejoicing and hopefully you'll have tons of rewards and hopefully you learned a lot while you were here and so you're doing great in heaven. But what did you leave? What kind of harvest will happen after you're gone? The Bible also says the work of righteousness will be peace. And the effect of righteousness, quietness, and assurance forever. You know, people want to focus that I'm righteous. Yeah, I'm righteous. I'll be righteous all my life. Why? Because Jesus saved me. I'm righteous. But am I acting like I'm righteous? Do I have works of righteousness? Because the work of righteousness will be peace. You know, I started... At the beginning, talking about God is concerned with reconciling the world to him. He already put into play what was necessary. He did it through Jesus, everything that was necessary to reconcile the world to himself. But how will they hear without a preacher? How will they see, how they hear if we're not walking in righteousness, if we're not acting like we're righteous? Righteous means equitable in character. That's the exact definition. Do you have the character of Christ? Do I have the character of Christ? Am I acting like I have the character of Christ? Because that's what happened. I received the grace of God that made me able to live in victory. Does that, you know what that means? That means apart from sin. That means now I don't have to live in those works of the flesh. Angry, wrathful, adultering, coveting. That is not me anymore. That is not my behavior. Now I have behavior that can be identified by words like love, joy, peace, patience, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness. That's what they're looking for. They're not finding that out there. Guys, that's uncommon. That's uncommon. We talk about it in the church all the time, but it's uncommon. It's uncommon. And now God... He did what he had to do with Jesus, but now he needs us to be what he's called us to be and to sow the seeds of righteousness, to go out there. Let me read you something else. Let me find it. In James chapter 3, James is talking about, well, let's turn there, because it's good verses. 
He's saying, who's wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. He says, if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but it's earthly, sensual, and demonic. For where envy and self-seeking, self-seeking, that's selfishness, like all about me. What can I get me? Right? Where self-seeking exists, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that's from above is first pure. And then it's peaceable. There's that word peaceable again. Gentle. Willing to yield. I'd call that surrender. Wouldn't you? Willing to yield. Full of mercy and good fruits. Without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So we have to make peace in order to sow peace. You have to actually be doing peace to be sowing peace. Does that make sense? Like you can't sow love if you're not loving. You can't sow joy if you're not joyful. They kind of go hand in hand. So, you know, if you think about, so to make peace, you must do peace. This word peace right here is sown in peace by those who make peace. I just thought this was so interesting. See if I can say this. So when I looked up this word peace, the exact word was pacificatory, like pacific, like pacify. Okay, so it means tending to make peace. But sometimes words don't mean what you think they mean. So tending to make peace, I was like, oh, it's a tendency to make peace. But tending means having a certain direction. Like a certain direction. Like that is your direction. You are going to make peace. That is what your attention is on. Making peace. It also meant conciliatory. Which is part of the word of reconciliation. Or to reconcile. Tending to reconcile. So your direction is reconciling. Your direction is making peace. And your direction is reconciling. And this is what tending to make peace between people at variance. So it's not like you have to make peace between two people that get along. Right? There's already peace there. So obviously it's people at variance. I was like, variance? That's a great old word. What does that mean? So I looked it up. Variance means state of enmity. And we were all enemies with God, remember? And he did this for us. Variance means a difference that produces dispute, controversy, disagreement, dissension, or discord. By the way, those words should not be in the church. We should all agree. We should all have, we should not have discord, dissension, or any disputing going on. In the church. This should be talking about us and the enemies of God. Right? We shouldn't be getting in arguments about vaccinations or presidential campaigns or any of that. Right? This should not, this is people who are enmity with each other. We are not. Church, we are not. We are not. We are best friends. We are brothers and sisters. We are family. I'm saying it out loud. We are. Not just this church, but the church at large. I mean, start saying it, right? Say it. The church is one. The church is one. The church is one with God. One with God. I heard um, my dad recently said, um, faith in its simplest form is agreeing with God. How simple is that? Yeah. 
So there's difference, so variance. It's difference, it's a difference that produces dispute, controversy, disagreement, dissension, or discord. This is what it said in the Webster's 1828 dictionary. Variance, under variance, a mere, mere, that sounds little, like just little deal. A mere variance can become war. And then it said this in the Webster's 1828 dictionary. Without a spirit of condescension, there will be everlasting variance or war or dispute, right? What is, so what does, without a spirit of condescension, there will be everlasting variance. What's condescension? Voluntary dissent. See, God, we were enemies of God. This makes me cry. He voluntarily descended so that that would not be our forever state. How a disciple is not above his master. So with people that we are enemies with, how will it be any different? No, you, we, you, me, there has to be some voluntary descent. Submission, where you, voluntary descent, condescension means you relinquish your rights. Yeah, I have a right for people to treat me nice. But if they don't, I can voluntarily descent to meet their need. Condescension, that voluntary descent means submission to inferiors in granting requests or performing acts. God did that. God did that. Jesus put himself in the hands of sinners, out and out sinners. <laughs> right? When you read James chapter 3 and it's talking about this wisdom that's pure and peaceable and gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. And it talks about fruit of righteousness sown in peace by those who make peace. Do you know what the next verse is? 4-1. Where do wars and fights come from among you? They come because you have wants and lusts. You know, one time I was reading John, and I don't know if I can find the verse. But Jesus is talking. to The Pharisees are talk, trying to talk to Jesus, and Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. And, and um, he says... You know, it's that whole passage about you do the works of your father, the devil. And he says one simple line, you do the works of your father, the devil, because you want to. You want to. One day that just, wow, hurt me. So when I do something that's not the spirit or nature of God, I chose because I wanted to. Act like Satan. I wanted to. If that doesn't send you to your knees, I don't know what will. I did. No, Lord, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to. It's like a slap in the face. Like, And sometimes it's a wake-up slap in the face. No, you wanted to. No, no, I, I didn't want to. Oh, yeah, I guess I did. Because when we are impatient, when we are mean, when we don't, Love, it's because we want to do that. 
And that's where wars and strifes come from. It's your wants. It's what you want. And then it says, friendship with the world is enmity with God. But he gives more grace. (laughs) Verse 6. He gives grace to who? The humble. The humble. The person who will descend. You know, I was talking to um, someone, well, a couple of someones this past week. And um, Eric called me. He's in Michigan working. And he called me. He's like, hey, hey, I want to talk about this. Um, I want you to think about and pray about this whole next level thing. And uh, the next time I call, let's talk about it. Like, okay. You know, and so I thought about it. And, you know, it's like, gosh, I don't even know what that means. Next level. Gosh, Lord. What could the next level be, right? Well, I mean, based on Hebrews 10, there's a promise, right, of a next level, but it has to usually, in faith and impatience. So that usually means there's going to be some suffering in there too, right? Well, so he calls me back, and he's like, oh, I want to talk to you about this. And, and he's talking about this next new level, which we all should be talking about and thinking about because this is the word of the Lord to us. So what are you thinking about it? Are you thinking about it? If not, think about it. What's this next level for us? Where are we going? Where are you now and where do you want to be? Anyway, so he starts talking to me about different people in the Bible that went through another level. Like, for example, Elisha. When Elijah went up to heaven, he grabbed that mantle, put it on, and it was like immediately at a new level. He smote the water, right, and it split. It was like all of a sudden, here's the man of God, right? That was another level. For Elisha. And he was telling me all these stories and I was getting excited. And he'll probably come back and preach that. Y'all just act like you never heard it. Okay. <laughs> but, um, so I'm just thinking, I'm like, oh yeah, that's great. That's great. And he's like, well, what, what do you think? What do you think? And I was like, well, mine's probably not as exciting, but you know, in the kingdom of God going up, always you go down first because the humble are exalted. So I said, I think the church has to go to a greater level of humility, of surrender, of God, you're God and I'm not, you know, where we seek his face and we don't just think about what we want, where we do his will and not our will. You know, what if we walked out of here tonight and we just were like, you know, I don't, I don't care about my needs anymore. Lord, I just want your will done. What's your will in the earth? What if he said, I need everyone saved. I need everyone saved. What, would we make that our business? Or tomorrow morning, would we wake up and chase the almighty dollar and get caught up at work? And I don't know about you, but I hate when I do that. I hate when I go a day and I don't sow seeds in people's lives. You know, if I'm caught in my office all day, I wake up, go to the office, and then go home, and I didn't see anyone that day. I didn't make a difference in anyone's life that day. I hope I did at the office. (laughs) Right? But just with that kind of mindset, eternity on our minds. Eternity on the plundering. Did you joyfully accept the plundering of your goods, knowing that there was a better enduring property or possession? That mindset. I just think that's the mindset God wants me to instill in us tonight. He gives grace. He gives grace to the humble to deal with everything we're dealing with, to do what he's asking us to do. 
He'll give you grace. You know, everybody's all all excited about the gifts of the Spirit, and me too. Bring, I mean, bring them big time, Lord, into the church, into the streets. I don't care. Everywhere we are, we need the gifts of the Spirit. We need miracles. We need supernatural faith. We need healings. We need words of knowledge and words of wisdom so we can minister to people where they're at and know their situations, and we can see it all through the Word and what it made a difference in people's lives. We need those. We need those. That should be our daily, everyday life, the gifts of the Spirit. And if you stay around, we're going to start preaching on that on Wednesdays. So keep coming on Wednesdays. But what about the fruit of the Spirit? A little less exciting? Why? Why? Why is that a little less exciting to us? The seeds are in the fruit. And if we want them to partake of righteousness, then we have to sow the seeds of righteousness. And it's in the fruit. So sowing love and joy and peace. So it's, it's not only about our lives and being satisfied and happy, you know, because we have these fruit going on, but it's for them. And that's God's heart. He's not thinking about, I mean, he is. He's thinking about what we're going through every day. He cares for you deeply. But this is a vapor. This life is a vapor. There's so much more enduring things on God's mind. And so we can't let our disappointments in this life get our eyes off the eternal. Get our, lives, get our eyes off of where we're headed. You know, even when we were singing tonight, it was like the songs were like, we're going there. This world is not our home. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. <laughs> you know, sometimes you just need Jesus is Lord. And that's who we're going to spend eternity with. And as much as I want all of our lives to be healed and whole, which so does God, you know, this life is a vapor. Nothing here is going to turn me. Is that our mindset? That we will walk out of being beaten and said, don't you dare say the name of Jesus one more time. And we will walk out rejoicing and preaching daily in the temple. Because we don't care. That, to, that is, one day we're going to stand before God, y'all. <laughs> one day we're going to stand before God. Our God, my God, he's real. I'm going to stand before him. And I definitely want to stand there knowing that I stood for him here. In every way. And I want to get better and better and better at it. Don't you? I just want to get better and better and better at remembering reality. Some people think heaven, you know, isn't real. Yeah, it's reality. That's our future reality. This is just temporary. And so having that future forever reality on our minds. Proverbs eleven eighteen says, he who sows righteousness will have a sure reward. And Galatians 6, 8, and 9 says, Let us not grow weary in doing good. Sowing. 
right? In doing good, walking in the fruit of the Spirit, being who you know to be, being just like Jesus, being just like those who inherited the promises. By faith, doing what you're doing. By faith, by faith, trusting God, relying on God. You're going to do things right no matter what because God will reward you. You're going to do it right. Let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap. We will reap. We will reap if we do not lose heart. We do not lose heart. You know, lose heart all through Proverbs also means lack understanding. You'll only lose heart if you're lacking understanding. We understand that the fruit is working in our lives. It's working in other people's lives. We're sowing righteousness. We're sowing for everlasting life for ourselves and for them. Y'all are so quiet. But we have to, we have to get eternal-minded, heaven-minded. Because in the days of head, that's what matters. That's what's going to matter, is heaven-minded. If you get earth-minded, you're going to make bad decisions. If you get earth-minded, you're going to fight for what doesn't matter. Your reputation. Your... Don't diss me. But that's not what's important. That person is important. So we've got to stay heaven-minded. We're going to stand before the Lord. We're going to be in heaven for eternity. We're all set. Y'all, we're all set. We are all set for eternity. Now, what are we going to do about it? What are we going to do here? How are we going to respond to things here? Because we're set for eternity. And that should be refreshing. So when we come into church and we worship, and as pastor continues down this series of altars, which I cannot wait to see what he's going to say on Sunday, because it's been so good. But I mean, God's ministering to us, the church. His people about surrender. Because there's eternal things at stake. Yours, theirs, ours. I don't know about you, but I want to be the generation that ushers in Jesus. And so we've got to not take on the mindset, the nature of the world, and rise above it by voluntarily descending. Does everyone understand what I'm saying? I hope it was good. (laughs) Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this word tonight. Lord, I thank you that it will do what you wanted it to do tonight. Father, I thank you that you will take of this word. You will encourage us in it. You will build us up in it, Father. That Holy Spirit, you will make us mindful of it. And I thank you, Father, that we will begin to experience. Father, maybe where some of us have been hesitant to talk to people about you, to talk to people about Christianity, to talk to people about our good lives. Father, I pray for boldness and confidence and assurance that as we sow seed, we will reap. Father, you said that as sure, if we sow the word, Father, you will make sure that it is good. It will never return void. It will always accomplish what you send it to do. 
So, Father, that's our assurance and that's our hope. As we go out this week and we sow the fruits of the Spirit and we sow words, Father, as seed. And as we talk about it, Father, I thank you that those seeds will not return void, but we will begin to see the difference it makes in the people around us. Father, that's what I pray tonight. I humbly ask you for results. That we'll continue doing good no matter what. But Father, you said, Jesus, you said, I send you to reap where other people have sown. So Father, I just pray for that season of reaping. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.